0: Hi, and welcome to episode 63 of 5 Minutes of Rum, Notes on Rum, a few minutes at a time. My name is Kevin Upthegrove. In this episode, I'm sampling rum from Peru, brandy from apricots, and cocktails from ceramic mugs shaped like dangerous fish. All of that, and I rediscover that my memory isn't quite as great as I remember it being. So take out your notebook and transcribe carefully as we delve yet again into rum and cocktails. I mean, that's why we're all here, right? Now, before getting started with the rum in this episode, I'd like to take a quick time out and say uh, thank you to the recent reviewers of the podcast on iTunes. Um, It is much appreciated and helpful. I know I ask at the end of every show uh, and say it would be helpful to go and leave a review, and it actually does help uh, bring the show to more listeners. Uh, More reviews and more comments about the show on iTunes actually pushes it higher in the rankings, so it gets it a little bit more discoverable. So uh, that aside, uh, thank you very much for the people who have left comments. I really appreciate it. And now, on with the rum in this episode. Uh, And in this episode, we're going to talk about the Ron Cartavio Selecto rum. Uh, Ron Cartavio Selecto is a rum from Peru. It's produced by the Cartavio Rum Company, formerly uh, Distillaries Unidas. uh, uh, That was the name of the company from 2001 to 2013. Uh, Normally, when I think of Peruvian spirits, I think of Pisco, which is a type of brandy made from grapes, primarily in Peru and Chile along the western side of South America. The Cartavio Rum Company is the largest distillery in Peru and production dates back uh, to 1929. The company has been around in one shape or form or another since 1929. Uh, The company is both a producer and an exporter, but also an importer of other brands into Peru. Uh, We're just going to focus on the rum in this part, uh, the rum part of this corporation naturally, and one rum in particular, at least for now, and that's the Ron Cartavio Selecto. So uh, before we dive into production, let's uh, sample this from the glass and from the bottle. Uh, the appearance of the Ron Cartavia Selecto. Uh, the bottle itself, it's a tall, skinny bottle with a screw cap, underneath which is a plastic pour spout, similar to what you would find in a bottle of J. Ray and Nephew. Um, I'm not really sure the purpose for having that in this particular rum, but there it is. Uh, the label on the front and the back of the bottle is a plastic sticker. So there's actually two labels, one on the front, one in the back. Uh, The label makes a claim of being aged five years in oak barrels, so there's a little bit of information from the bottle. And the rum in the bottle is a dark brown, kind of like a dark maple syrup. Uh, In the glass, the rum holds much of the same color, uh, maybe slightly lighter, um, although the bottle is clear. So what you see in the bottle is pretty close to what you see in the glass. Aroma-wise, the first notes were uh, very strong to me with sugar, maybe like a burnt sugar or a caramelized sugar, uh, with some astringent notes once I swirled it in the glass and aerated it a little bit. And then as I let it sit and take in air for a few minutes, it lost that intense sugar smell and settled into something more subtle. Maybe like a faint hint of leather or uh, some other uh, aromas. I didn't really pick up as much barrel as I kind of expected since this rum has a little age on it. Again, going back to the label, it's saying five years. uh, So I might have thought there'd be a little bit more barrel notes. Um, Overall, I didn't find the nose that distinctive. Uh, Taste. After taking an initial sip and casting that aside, I took another sip. Uh, the rum had some spice and some pepper, and as it settled, some medicinal excuse me—medicinal or sarsaparilla notes. Uh, the mouthfeel was a little thin to me, um, or to put it another way, not terribly chewy, so not a heavy-bodied rum. Um, and not uh, overtly dry. It was relatively dry, but let me take a little sip here again. It's got a, a little bit of sweetness, but um, certainly not extra dry. Uh, but it definitely would, you know, if you were ranking it on a spectrum with dry on the left and, and uh, sweet on the right, it would be tilted a little bit more towards the left. Um, again, it wasn't as sweet as that initial whiff would have led me to believe uh, when I actually started sipping the rum. The finish um, feels a little quick or uneventful on this rum, uh, although the low heat uh, does linger a little bit in the back of my throat. It's just it's very subtle and, and not very overt. Um, I'd characterize it as a slow finish and not a particularly complex finish. So to sum up the tasting of this rum, neat, uh, the Ron Cartavio Selecto uh, doesn't really fit my own preferences for a sipping rum. Um, my first and lasting impression was that this was a rum destined for cocktails and not for a snifter. Uh, it feels like it could be a solid choice for a mixing rum, something you could slot into an aged column still spot in a recipe. And so that's the direction I took and that's the direction I contemplated um, as I uh, thought over the, the rum inside this bottle talk about the production of this rum a little bit. Uh, Cartavio rum is molasses-based rum uh, using a proprietary yeast, as you do. Uh, they have both a column continuous still as well as a pot still on their premises. Uh, rums are aged in either American or European oak barrels before blending to create what is eventually bottled uh, for uh, export. Um, as far as official information from the Cartavio site, there's not a lot of detail on the production of their individual rums. Uh, their line includes uh, their line of rums includes what you would recognize as a, st- as a standard line of rums of this style. So they have a, a silver or a blanco, uh, or I mean a lightly aged, um, and that leads up to an ever-increasing agedness up to an XO-type bottling. The Selecto comes in on their line right after the three años, or the three-year, and right before the Solera. Uh, they list the Selecto as aged five years and a blend of nine different rums, uh, no word on the makeup of those nine rums and what they individually, you know, what what they bring to the table. Um, you know, they don't mention if there's, you know, any or how much pot distillate, uh, any or what the age ranges are of those rums, just that it's a total of five years. So no idea really on what makes up that rum. Now, based on the taste, I didn't think there would be a lot of pot still rum in the blend, but there's likely some. Uh, the Selecto, um, I thought to be a relatively new or I thought to be relatively new on the market. Uh, introduced this year. I know I picked it up recently when looking for Cartavio rum because I hadn't tasted this one yet and the price was reasonable. Um, at the August 2015 Rum Rum Club at the Tonga Hut, we had sampled many from the Cartavio line and, and this wasn't one of them. Uh, so it seemed like a good pickup to fill out the line And when I, when I was looking for one to taste and looking for one to mix with. Now looking back at my notebook from that Rum Rum Club in August of 2015, I see that we had tasted uh, the silver, uh, the black, which is the two-year aged, and the Selecto, um, also the Solera and the XL that's fun. So I guess I have tried this before, but I hadn't seen it on the shelf since that tasting. So see, this is why you take notes, especially when sampling rum. Uh, I do take small comfort in seeing that my tasting notes from that rum rum club over a year ago were consistent with this bottle or consistent with my more recent tasting notes. Uh, I noted low heat, uh, low astringency and a root beer finish. Though on that original sample, I had picked up more barrel notes uh, is what it looks like from my notes at the time. Now, one other note on the Cartavio pot and column blend, uh, the higher you go up on the product line, this was a note I took at the time during the Rum Rum Club, the higher you go up on the product line, the higher the ratio of pot still product is in the mix. So uh, higher up on the line, higher percentage of pot still in the blend. Now, fortunately for those who are looking for more detail um, on the Cartavio facility and the process by which they make their rum, Uh, Matt from Cocktail Wonk has this covered. There's a link to his article on Cartavio in the show notes. Um, Matt notes some details on the stills at Cartavio, outlining the specs on the vacuum column stills that they use, as well as specifying that the pot still they have on site is a 1,000-gallon John Doerr pot still from 1953 that produces distillate at 82% alcohol by volume. So go follow that link and read more if you want to get into the technical details of the Cartavio distillery. Uh, But it did answer a couple of questions, particularly about how much, and what kind of pot still that they had. Uh, where to find Ron Cartavia Rums? Uh, Ron Cartavio Rums can be found, what I would qualify as better stocked spirit stores. Uh, they're not widely distributed in my area, which is Southern California as of now, but they're not that hard to find. If I go into uh, something a little bit more like a specialty retailer, uh, like a high time Mission Wine and Spirits, something like that, I'll find it. Although I won't find it at the grocery store or at BevMo. So if you have something analogous in your area, that might be the way to go. Otherwise, it's available on the high time site for online ordering and probably some other online retailers as well. Uh, Drink Up NY probably has it, although I didn't fact check that. So uh, go and check it out if if that's one of your preferred delivery systems. Uh, The the Selecto comes in around twenty three dollars for the 750 milliliter 80 proof bottle. Uh, So not a bad bargain in terms of like a slightly elevated mixing rum. Uh, Again, I personally didn't find it to be a sipping rum. But if you enjoyed it as a sipping rum, it's quite a bargain at that price because you're getting something that's pretty versatile and and can do uh, a couple different things in your bar. Now, one of the ingredients in today's recipe is apricot brandy, something I mentioned in passing in episode 18 when reviewing the recipe I created at Tiki Oasis 12, uh, known both as the man with the golden rum as well as the golden gun in Martin Kate's new Smuggler's Cove book. So what is apricot brandy? Uh, It's brandy from apricots, and we're done, of course. There's a bit more to the story. Uh, Brandy is a spirit made from distilled grape wine. Uh, It comes from the, uh, I think, believe it's the Danish term for burnt wine, brandy wine. Um, Anyways, so when the base is another type of fruit wine, you arrive at different types of flavored brandy. So you can have cherry, apple, pear, and others. Apricot brandy is one such variant that pops up in tiki cocktails and older pre-prohibition cocktails from time to time. Of course, navigating apricot brandy at the store isn't terribly simple because most of what is commercially available is more akin to a liqueur than straight brandy. So there's not necessarily anything wrong with that other than needing to pay attention to ABV and sweetness in your recipe. But in most cases, that confusion is taken into account and it's expected that apricot brandy is equal to apricot liqueur in a recipe. So now we're back on equal ground, I guess. The most reliable apricot "quote unquote" brandies that I use in my own home bar are the Marie Brizard Apry um, and Marie Brizard A P R Y Apri, and the Luxardo Apricot. Both are uh, considered liqueurs. The Marie Brizard company bottles all kinds of liqueurs, and their Apry comes in at a little over twenty percent ABV here in the states. Uh, it's a nice cordial to sip, and tends to be a bit sweeter than the Luxardo. The Luxardo comes in at 30% alcohol by volume and is a little drier, so when used in cocktails, they will be slightly different. Um, if necessary, you can dash in like a quarter ounce of simple syrup uh, if you want to put them on more equal footing once you're mixing with them. Now, those are the two that I normally have in my home bar. Um, I've had others in the past that I wouldn't necessarily recommend. There's some you know, like a Bowles M- Markets and Apricot Brandy. I'd steer clear of that if you, if you can uh, just because it tends to be very sweet, um, and probably not exactly what you're looking for when you're creating a cocktail. Uh, currently, I'm in the Luxardo Camp, meaning that's the one I have in my bar currently, although it could switch as soon as this bottle is empty. So let's sip this one neat and see uh, see how it goes, see how it tastes. So I poured a little bit into my glass. Um, it doesn't look dissimilar from other brown spirits or rum. It's a, sort of a dark amber color uh, in terms of aroma. Uh, there's a combination of definitely some uh, apricot fruit and a little bit of booze in there So like some of them when you smell them, you'll just smell like apricot and sweet. This one has a little bit more uh, Backbone to it. I guess i uh, give it a sip Hmm now on the sip you do get the sweetness and then you get a little bit of the apricot and then you get the the spirit behind that so it definitely has all those elements combining. It tastes a little bit, well, probably quite a bit more sweet than it would have, uh, than you would have expected from the smell. Uh, not quite as sweet as the Marie Brizard, but actually pretty close. All in all, um, it's probably not something that I would uh, on on the regular uh, sip neat, but it uh, it works well in cocktails. And I almost always have a bottle of this in the home bar, if not for the recipe in today's episode, the Fugu for two. But maybe also for a couple other recipes like the aforementioned uh, man with the golden rum now if i had a, to specify a preference i think i might give a slight nod to the Marie brazard uh, despite the extra sweetness or maybe because of it i don't know uh, mostly I, I like the way that that one works in cocktails um, and for reasons i'll get into there may be a reason why i needed that extra sweetness but i think with either one of these you won't be disappointed uh, there's another one that i lost the link for i don't have it off the top of my head that it's Rothman and and then something that starts with a W. But I know that that one is also well-regarded, shows up in many recipes. I just haven't actually tasted that one uh, myself, but I think that's probably a safe bet as well. The recipe in this episode is called the Fugu for Two. Um, I was first introduced to this cocktail on my first visit to Forbidden Island, where it was served in the titular Fugu mug produced by Monk Tiki. Um, Now, perhaps I shouldn't assume universal knowledge of the word Fugu, so as a sidebar, Fugu is the Japanese word for a puffer fish. Most species of puffer fish are toxic, but that hasn't really stopped people from trying to eat the non-toxic parts. Uh, now anyways, lamps um, are often made from deceased puffer fish or fugu. And that's a common tiki bar element along with other fish float lamps um, and other nautical items. Now from there, fugu started to be reproduced in ceramic form as mugs. Uh, you can see pictures in the show notes uh, of some fugu from our uh, tiki collect, or excuse me, our mug collection at home. Now, anyways, getting back to it, I first had this cocktail at Forbidden Island in 2007. Uh, the fugu for two is a Martin Kate recipe. It was developed while he was still part of Forbidden Island before departing to found Smuggler's Cove and all of his other recent endeavors subsequent to that. Uh, I found this cocktail to be a, a very delicious concoction. But I didn't run across the recipe until later when I was doing just some surfing on the internet for uh, recipes, you know. After the fact, um, this led me to an article on shared drinks or drinks for two um, on SF Gate, a Bay Area news site. This article that I that I found happened to be timed for Valentine's Day and actually predated my visit to Forbidden Island by four months. But I didn't see the article for a while after. Uh, the beauty of the internet is stuff stays up there for a long time, and it doesn't have to be, you know. It doesn't have to just be arrived at in the moment. You can go and look at it later. Now, in any case, I was happy to see the recipe. Um, I copied it down. Heck, I posted the recipe along with a picture in in 2009 to Flickr along with the puffer mug that we that we received. uh, My wife had received the monk tiki puffer mug as a gift. Posted that up on Flickr as a picture in 2009, and the recipe's kind of been in my regular rotation ever since then. Now. A little bit more background on the recipe. Um, As luck would have it, I found a blog post doing the research for this episode from 2008, referencing someone making the fugu for two as part of Mixology Monday in 2008. Um, A brief aside, although I haven't participated in it, uh, Mixology Monday is a online uh, activity where somebody there's essentially a bunch of people that that come up with recipes uh, based on a theme on a Monday in every month. That's the Mixology Monday. Uh, and this, um, the the theme on this one, uh, they somehow tied the fugu into it. So, and within the comments from that post that they made about that Mixology Monday fugu post, there's a follow-up comment from Martin Kate giving a little bit more background on the creation of the drink. So one of the things that you'll note is that the original recipe called for one ounce of vodka. That, Martin explains, was because the original formulation was made with a Japanese spirit. So uh, fugu connection alert, fugu being the Japanese word for puffer fish, Japanese spirit, etc., Am I drawing too distinct a line? Um, that spirit subsequently disappeared from the market, but because the spirit was not unlike vodka, vodka became the substitute in the recipe. Now, because I didn't know this history, I tended to see it as the vodka as something that was added just to get a little bit more horsepower without altering the flavor profile of the drink. So what I would do at home is I would use a nearly neutral column still lightly aged spirit like a Cruzon or a Florida Canya. Uh, a couple of other notes on the recipe as published on that blog that i mentioned uh, a minute ago it's the married with dinner um, on their site's blog post the drink is topped with a float of sparkling wine um, i didn't have that in the original recipe i found online on sfgate so i haven't prepared it that way and i don't remember if that tout was originally served at forbidden island it's possible that it was and i and i forgot now the other note on the recipe, um, when I look at the little note that I transcribed a couple of years ago with the recipe, uh, which was actually a copy from the original note that I left myself on Flickr, I seem to have the, uh, omitted the orgeat. It's a pretty big miss on my part, and I'll say this. The drink still works without it, and I think that's why I didn't mind the extra sweetness from the Marie Brizard Apri, because I was missing the sweetness from the orgeat. Uh, so I'm keeping both versions of the recipe in my repertoire, because I don't think um, either one of them are bad, and I like both of them. Uh, but I think there, you know, it is pretty distinct, uh, when you leave out an ounce of ore shot from a recipe Now the recipe itself, I'll give you my current version. This is the original as published at SF gate. And that's the original, I'm sorry, the original as published at SF gate will be at the bottom of the show notes for this episode, but this is the one that I'm making. Um, and this is the now corrected version with the ore shot. That is one and a half ounces of fresh lemon juice, two ounces of unsweetened pineapple juice. One ounce of passion fruit syrup. And thank you to uh, friends and friends of the show, Jen and Aaron, for supplying lots of homegrown passion fruit syrup for syrups recently. I've gone through a lot of passion fruit and the home stu- the homegrown stuff really makes a difference when making syrup. So thank you very much. Uh, one ounce of Orgeat. One ounce of apricot brandy slash liqueur. In this case, the Luxardo apricot. One ounce of column still lightly aged rum. In this case, Florida Konya 4 and three ounces of a blended aged rum, in this case, the Ron Cartavio Selecto. Blend that with two cups of crushed ice for 15 to 20 seconds. Uh, Pour unstrained into a fugu mug or other large vessel, and then add two large straws and share. When it comes to to taste for the fugu, um, it has a number of distinct flavors, uh, passion fruit and apricot chief among them, with lemon not too far behind. I think in the original formulation where amber, quote-unquote amber rum, is called for as well as vodka, the tendency was for the rum to really play the part of backbone while the other flavors took the lead. Uh, before uh, buying the Ron Cartavio Selecto, I often made this with Plantation Five or Mount Gay Eclipse to give it a small boost in rum flavor. Uh, the Cartavio Selecto ups the flavor just a little bit more, but still relatively subtle. This is definitely a fruit-forward cocktail with the rum coming in at the end of the sip that just takes a little bit of the edge off the sweetness. Um, I think of the fugu as a a crowd pleaser that hides a decent amount of rum, but it's not as bracing as something like a zombie or a navy grog. Uh, It's also an easy recipe to cut in half, so don't feel like you need to finish it yourself. Or you know what? If it's been a day and you're at home getting ready to slide into into an aloha shirt, maybe drop the needle onto Bahia by Arthur Lyman as you lower the lights in your home bar, then you know what? By all means, make the full version just for you. Treat yourself. That's it. That's this show. Thank you for listening. Show links are up on the five minutes of rum website. That's number five minutes of rum.com. The show is also on iTunes as five minutes of rum on iTunes. You can subscribe. You can rate the show and you can even leave a review. The show is also on Twitter and Instagram as at five minutes of rum. That's the at symbol number five minutes of rum. Please send in comments, corrections, feedback, or requests via the five minutes of rum website or on Twitter or on Instagram. And now go get some rum.